Well, as you saw on the little video intro, we're going to be talking about something that no matter who you are, what your age is, or even where you're at in your stage of life, we all deal with relationships. So let me make this clear. This is not a marriage series. This is simply a relationship series that can benefit your marriage if you are married. So we don't want anybody to feel isolated if you're single or or whatever. Um, This is for everyone. So this morning, we're going to be dealing with the topic of offense. How many of you have ever been offended? If you're not, and you're not raising your hand, we'll deal with lying next week. (laughs) But uh, here at OSC Crowley, we still believe that good, or should I say great relationships still exist. I don't know about you, but people oftentimes, the quickest place to get burned is in a relationship, right? The quickest way to lose your trust, the quickest way to be offended is just have some friends, right? Or is just get married. And no matter where you're at in your life, we have all dealt with offenses. And here's what I want you to understand this morning. The truth is you cannot love God properly and still treat people like crap. You just can't do it. You can't love God how you ought to and still treat people like crap. If you're struggling with offense, or you have struggled with offense, or maybe you're offended at somebody right now, here's what I want you to understand. And this goes for this entire relationship series. It is so easy to sit in a series like this and go, oh, I wish my friend was here. Oh, I wish my spouse was here. It's so easy to like nudge your spouse and you better be taking some notes because when we get in the car, we're going to talk through this, right? I want you, I want to kind of point the arrow to you this morning. Okay, this is not for somebody else, this is for you. Okay, this is not for somebody else, this is for you. Actually, Scripture teaches us this. Let's read it in Matthew 7, verse 3 through 5. We see this, it says, Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of you, like, oh, let me help you, let me take the speck out of your own eye, and then watch what the Bible says, When you have a log in your eye, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. How many of you know we are so much quicker to deal with somebody else than really deal with ourselves? Let's just be honest, show of just honesty real quick. We believe in honesty here at this church. We want to be transparent. How many of you would rather deal with other people's problems than your own? (laughs) Like they were just so rude right? Have have you heard about how rude they are? Have you heard about how offended they are? It is so easy to talk about people. Think about it. We have built entire industries off of being offended or gossip or whatever it is. I don't know if you know this, but Christians oftentimes can be among the group of the most offended people on the planet. You ever notice that? Like, I went to church there, I went to church there for five years, and then they changed the chair colors. I'm out. <laughs> you what? I went to church here, and it was real good, but that last song, it was a little too loud. <laughs> so I left. Like, we get offended over the most small things. And the truth is, we miss out on this intimate relationship with Jesus and even other people because we struggle with offense. Can I be honest with you? For some of you, the reason it's so hard for you to stay happy in a relationship, a marriage, a friendship, or whatever it is, is because it's so easy for you to get offended. The reason it is so hard for you to live in joy 
is because it is so easy for you to get offended. So here's what I want to do this morning, and we're going to weave this throughout this message, and uh, I think it's going to kind of help build a framework for us, because I want you to understand something, that there is three ways that the enemy wants to destroy relationships. I don't know if you know this, but the enemy hates healthy relationships, because when you have healthy relationships, it is going to push you to grow, right? So the enemy has a plan for your life. I don't know if you know this, if you don't think that you have a plan for your life, you can rest assured that the enemy has a plan for your life. But God also has a purpose and plan for your life. So let me expose the enemy's plan for your life because I think this is going to be helpful this morning. The first thing, number one, the enemy's agenda in your life is destruction. I don't know if you know this, but the enemy wants to destroy you. He has no intentions for you to succeed. He doesn't look at your marriage and say, you know what, I'm just going to leave it alone. I just want them to flourish and be healthy and happy, right? No, the enemy wants to destroy you. We see this in John 10, 10, what? The thief comes to what? Kill, steal, and what's that word? Destroy. So I want you to understand this, and I don't think that we process this or think through this often, but the enemy has a plan to completely and utterly discourage you and to destroy you. The second thing that he does is the enemy, not only does his agenda is destruction, but his strategy is division. His strategy is division. And Matthew 12, 25 says a house, what? Divided cannot stand. A house divided cannot stand. You see, most of the times relationships fall apart because we disagree on something and the enemy uses this wedge that he drives in and before we know it, it's not just a wedge, it's a chasm that stands between us and our partner or us and a friend. So the enemy's agenda is destruction, his strategy is division, and here's what I want you to understand, his tactic is offense. His tactic is offense. So so how does he destroy us? How does he divide us? One small offense at a time. One offense at a time. Let me show you how this kind of plays out. Have you ever seen a newly engaged couple, right? A newly married couple, and they're like, we never argue. We've never argued. Like, he is just perfect. And you're like, have you been married yet? No, we we haven't moved in yet. Oh, you will argue. (laughs) You will get frustrated. But have you ever noticed this, like, this phase when you first get married, there is this phase of just, like, love is in the air, right? It, it, it's, you're, you're willing to lay down your life. You serve one another. You are infatuated with this person. You're, you're excited to spend the rest of your life together, and life is looking good. And how do we go from being so infatuated with this person to loving this person so much to a place where now we're sitting with a court lawyer trying to divide our assets. How do we go from being so in love to being so frustrated and so divided? One small, undealt with offense at a time. And it just drives over and over and over and over and over. Because here's what you have to understand. What starts in the heart does not stay in the heart. What starts in the thoughts does not stay in the thoughts. Ultimately, the things that you think about right here will manifest themselves one day. But isn't this true? The closer we are to somebody, the greater the opportunity for somebody to hurt you. The more that you love somebody, 
the greater that person has the ability to puncture you, to hurt you. How many of you have ever been deeply hurt by somebody that you trusted or loved? We, we all have, right? And it hurts so much because we genuinely love these people. And the closer the relationship, the closer the intimacy, but the closer the relationship, the greater the opportunity for offense, right? And so it, this is the reason that so many of us close off sometimes. This is the reason that so many of us shut down. This is the reason that so many of us don't want to dive into deeper friendships or we don't want to dive into community. Why? Because we've been hurt before. But here's what you have to understand. It's the small things that lead to the destruction in your life and that cause division and leave you to living a lifestyle of offense. You ever met somebody where nothing is ever good enough? You could go in and fix everything for them, and they're still going to point out something that you did wrong. Because small offenses don't stay small. Here's what I want you to understand. Every time you get offended, it's a big deal. Because here's what you have to understand. An offense is like a fire. And if you're not careful, if you light the fire and you start it, and then you back away and you don't tend to it, what's going to happen? It's going to burn everything in its path. And that is exactly what offense does to the human soul. It's what it does to our heart. You get offended, your spouse says something, your friend says something, a coworker says something, and you try to tell yourself, oh, I'm just going to be the mature one, I'm just going to deal with it. But inside, what is happening? <laughs> and now what happens? Now every time you walk into the room and see that person, you no longer see them for who they are, a flawed, mistaken person that probably said something and they don't even realize they offended you. <laughs> right? Oftentimes, the people that offend you don't even realize they just offended you. And now you're carrying all this baggage every time you walk into the room, and they're like, man, what is this person's deal? And they don't even know that they offended you. See, offenses must be dealt with. Otherwise, they will, listen, you will live your life looking through the lenses of offense. And you will not be able to see clearly. You will not be able to see people as people. You will not be able to dive into your job. You will not be able to dive into your marriage, dive into your friendships, and live life healthy because everything that you see is going to be seen through the lens of offense. So watch this. Matthew 5, 21 through 26. This is Jesus talking. It says, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. Okay, so it's, Jesus is pointing out the obvious here. You, you've heard the law say, don't kill people. People are like, all right, got it. Watch 22. Now this is Jesus speaking. He says, but I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Ouch. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to counsel, and whoever says, you fool, what? this is strong words, will be liable to the hell of fire. That's like, God, can we just cut that part out of the Bible? I don't like that part, <laughs> right? But Matthew is speaking specifically to the one that is holding on to anger. And I, I know what some of you are thinking, like, wait, hold on. I thought we were talking about offense. Why are we talking about anger now? Because here's what I want you to understand. Anger often masks itself as offense. Because deep down when you're offended with somebody, you're really angry, aren't you? And you know it, because when you walk into the room, you're, you're thinking of like 10 ways that you could take this person out. <laughs> oh, let them say something. Let them say, I, you've been practicing in the mirror for weeks of what you were going to say to them, right? Has any, let's just be honest, has anybody ever rehearsed like a conversation? If they say this to me, then this is what I'm going to say back to them. 
If they throw a left punch, I'm going to throw a knee. Like, you know, all these different things. You're rehearsing in your mind how you're going to destroy this person, right? Because anger is often masked as offense. And here's what I want you to understand. This is so powerful if you get this. The scripture is teaching us that those who hold on to fence are creating a living hell for themselves. Those who hold on to fence, that's what Jesus is saying. When you fool, you'll be liable to the fires of hell. He's saying if you hold on to that anger, if you hold on to that fence, and you don't deal with it, you are creating a living hell for your life. Ever wonder where that phrase comes from? It's like relationships can just be a living hell. It comes straight from the scriptures. Why do we say that? Because to be honest, if we're going to do relationships right, they can hurt like hell sometimes, can't they? And when you're offended, let's just be honest, you have no desire to reconcile, do you? When you're offended, you feel justified to hold on to a defense, right? Well, no, no, no. They did this to me, so I am okay to sit in this, to feel this, to hold on to this. So now the question moves to, how do I reconcile? Because i got this offense, I've got this anger, what do I do now? Let's turn to the scriptures. Matthew 23, 26 is continuing the, the verse. It says, so if you are offering your gift at the altar, so if you're spending your time with Jesus, you're waking up in the morning, you're praying, you're doing those things, watch this. You offer your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you. Watch what he says. Leave your gift at the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come offer your gift. Verse 25. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you're going with him to court. Lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard, and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid every last penny. So here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, before you give yourself to me, if you remember that you have done something that offends your brother, stop praying, stop getting super spiritual about it, and go make it right. We we have a tendency to do that as Christians sometimes, right? Right? Well, God, just help me to just, just forgive them. I don't want to cause any controversy. No, the truth is we're scared. And Jesus is saying, look, before you can connect with me, before you can have intimacy with the Father, you need to go make it right with your brother. You cannot fully give yourself to Jesus and still be full of anger. You cannot fully give yourself to Jesus and still be full of an offense towards your brother. But I love what the scripture says. Watch what Jesus says. And not only leave and go talk to your brother, but what else does he say? He says, do it quickly. Because <laughs> what happens when we say, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. Well, then tomorrow goes, I'll do it next week. And then next week turns into, you know what? It's just not the right time. <laughs> and Jesus is saying, no, no, When you feel that inclination, when you feel that conviction from the Holy Spirit, go and do it quickly. But he's also telling us to do it quickly because there's something going on here. Because when we choose to prolong the process of reconciliation, here's what I want you to understand, and this is the title of my message this morning. Matthew tells us that we lock ourselves into the prison of offense and give the key to the offender. When we are offended, here's what I want you to understand. When you settle with terms, well, I'm not going to apologize until they come and apologize, here's what you've done. You've locked yourself in the prison of offense. You've given the key to, their, to, to a flawed person who probably doesn't even know that they've offended you, and now you're expecting them to come and bail you out. 
and you're locked in this prison and you've given the keys to somebody who has no power to save you at all. So here's what I want you to understand. The only way that we reconcile is to do it quickly. When the offense happens, that it has to come to our mind, I have to do something about this right now. Ultimately, Matthew is continuing, he's saying that we're giving our freedom into the hands of another flawed human being, and this is never going to work. I find it funny how relationships have the ability to, do, to reduce grown adults to toddlers. <laughs> right? You ever seen that? I am not saying sorry until she says sorry. <laughs> right? Well, I'm not making it right until they come to me first. Well, I mean, I would tell them sorry, but blah, 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 and we have all these different things. I mean, that's what my kids do, right? But it's crazy how relationships and offenses have the ability to reduce us down to toddlers. But here's what I want you to understand, and this is so important. You have to understand that when you take on that mentality, you are locking yourself in a prison of offense, and it is impossible to get you out. Because you have given the keys to somebody that has no interest in unlocking you. And you've also given the keys to somebody who probably doesn't even know that you're offended. Therefore, they have no power or ability to help bail you out. So this is, listen to Jesus' words again. Truly I say to you, you will never get out of the prison of offense until you have paid every last penny. What is he saying here? You will never get out of prison until you have forgiven everything. I'm going to be honest with you. God's going to call some of you this morning to forgive some pretty crazy things that have been done to you. And it's going to be tough, and it's going to be hard, and it's not going to seem fair. It's not going to seem just. It's not going to seem right. But I'm telling you this. You will never get out of the prison that you find yourself into until you do it. And I know it's difficult, and I'm not saying that because some of you have had horrible, atrocious things that have been done to you. People have taken advantage of you. People have done things to you. Maybe you've been molested or raped. And I'm not saying this is something that's like, oh, you just walked in and I forgive you and it's over. Listen, that's a process. Okay, that's a journey. But, and here's what Jesus is calling us to do. Just, just get on the journey. It's not this magical one-time pill that happens I don't, you guys ever hear, um, we, we sing this song a lot here, Oh, Come to the Altar, you know what song I'm talking about? It has some lyrics that go kind of like this. It, goes, it says, Oh, come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide, and watch this. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And here's the irony and the sad part about singing a song like this. As you can sing this song but completely miss its power because you're still locked in a prison of offense. So here's what I mean. We lift our hands and we sing about forgiveness and we sing about the precious blood of Jesus and we sing about, God, thank you for setting my, me free. My husband is such a jerk. Are you starting to see how this works? Because here's what happens. Offense wants forgiveness for yourself and wants punishment for others. Right? So you're in worship and you're like, God set me free. Kill him. <laughs> like, God, if you took him out, I wouldn't be mad. I'm just saying. <laughs> or we rejoice when other people fail and we succeed. 
See, this is how we know the wickedness of our own heart, that we can come into church and we can sing the songs and we say, ooh, that's so good, and God, yes, I want your forgiveness, but God, give them justice. And that's the power of the gospel, that God looks at all of us and he says, no, no, hold on. We've all messed up, we've all made mistakes, and we're all deserving of forgiveness. And, and here's the understanding. You cannot experience the fullness of Jesus' forgiveness until you have fully forgiven others. There's a powerful scripture in the Bible that says Jesus will not even forgive you of your sins until you've gone and forgiven your brothers. Think about that for a moment. Think about that. And I know there's been some horrific things that have been done to you. People have lied to you. They've broken your trust. They've done things that you thought that people could never do to you. But Jesus is saying, we are still called as believers because we believe in this credible, scandalous grace that saves us regardless of where we're at. We are called to forgive. So you may sing the song, but the truth is, what is in our heart? If you're married today, let me chat with you just for a second. See, when you get married, God takes two people and he makes them one. But the problem is the enemy takes one and he makes them two. (laughs) How does he do it? One offense at a time. One offense at a time. Because remember, the enemy's agenda, what? Is destruction. His strategy is division and his tactic is offense. If you're asking the question this morning, well, how did I get here? How did I arrive at this place? How did our marriage get here? How did I lose friends? One offense at a time. Something that you held on to and you said, you know what, it's not that big of a deal. I'm not going to address it. I'm not going to whatever. I'm just going to let it go. But it is this raging fire in your soul. In time, the flame doesn't get smaller. It just gets larger and larger and larger. So here's something that we have to live by. Small offenses are never small. Let me prove it to you. The best way that I can explain it is, how many of you have ever had somebody in your life that you look up to, maybe they've been a mentor, maybe it's a grandfather, maybe it's a father, a mother, anybody? Somebody that you just say, man, I want to grow up and I want to be like this person. You know what's ironic is you can probably look at the seasons of your life and you can look at the landscape of your life and oftentimes if you can recount you will fail to remember all the positive things and good things that they have told you and all the times that they have encouraged you, but you can remember the one time they told you something negative. Right? See, offense is powerful. It's so crazy because people could spend their lives building us up and they may say one negative thing about us because they're human and they have a bad day. And the only thing we can remember is the negative thing. And then we begin to define our life by that one negative thing that that one person said. And here's what happens. You start changing the entire landscape of your life. Well, okay, well, let me prove something. Let me prove something. Oh, you think I'm a failure? I'm going to show you I'm not a failure. Oh, you think I'm not good enough? Oh, I'm going to show you that I'm good enough. See, that comes from a deep longing inside that you don't really believe that God has a plan and a purpose from your life. So you feel like you've got to prove yourself. It's crazy how offenses get us to focus on the one horrible thing rather than the 1,000 good things that people have said about us. So we have to learn to live by this principle that small offenses are never small. So I want to revisit two verses in Matthew 5. Matthew 5, chapter 3. 
And we'll read 23 and verse 25. And it says, so if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there remember your brother has something against you, I want you to, if you have a Bible or if you just make a mental note, keep that, that word in mind, brother. It says, so if you're offering your gift at the altar, remember your brother has something against you. Now watch, skip down to verse 25. But then it says, it's weird, it changes the tone. Come to terms quickly with your, what? Adversary, while you're going with him to court. Hold on. The writer's talking about the same person. It's not two different people. So this person went from your brother, your spouse, your best friend, the the person that you confide in to this brother, to now he's your enemy. So now he's somebody that you can't stand or she's somebody that you hate. So at one time, man, this was your brother. This was somebody that you shared your life with. And just one verse, they're your adversary. See, what started out in an argument, an offense that was not ever tended to, led you to a place that you thought that you could never be. See, the problem with offenses is you don't see the wall that you're starting to build in relationships. You don't realize it, but our landscape is like this empty backyard without a fence. Our landscape is like this empty backyard without an offense. And before we know it, if we don't deal with offenses, it's like driving in the planks. And before you know it, nobody can see you anymore. So you walk into the room You can't enjoy fellowship. You can't enjoy conversation because you're so guarded. And the truth is you probably don't even know who you are anymore because you are trapped behind this wall. See, offense after offense becomes this wall and it gets bigger and bigger. And instead of being soulmates, you find yourself at odds with each other. Why? Because there is this ginormous mountain in between the both of you. Here's what I want you to understand. If you remember anything that I say, if you're married today, I want you to get this, especially if you're young and married. Incompatibility does not kill relationships. Undealt with offenses kill relationships. I, I hear this all the time. Well, we just, we just weren't compatible. How are any two sinful human beings compatible? <laughs> I don't know how we get into this like, hey, let's take your junk and we'll take his junk and let's get married and we'll be free of junk. (laughs) No, you get married and now you have a whole lot more junk. Right? Because not only now do you see your flaws, you see their flaws. And you're like, man, this is jacked up. (laughs) Incompatibility does not kill relationships. Oh, we just weren't made for each other. Yes, you were. You're just sinful. You're just not having the right conversations. You're just sliding things under the rug. There's things that you're not dealing with. Can can I be honest with you? My wife and I have been married almost 11 years, and we have a pretty good relationship, and the only reason that we have a pretty good relationship is because, listen, it's a lot of work to get there. I'm positive there have been nights that I have been sound asleep and she's thinking of like, how can I strangle this cat? And get, how can I do it? 
That's not to say like we're this idealistic couple that we never fight and we have. Per- that's not the case at all. The reason that we can say that we have a good relationship to date is because, listen, we choose not to allow offenses to get the best of us. Hey, we're going to work through this. We're going to talk about this. Remember, the enemy's agenda in your life is destruction. His strategy is division, and his tactic is offense. Now, here's what I want you to understand about offense. Is you can't control what happens to you, but you can control what you do with it. You can't control what happens to you. Sometimes there's things in life that are completely out of our hands, but the one thing that we do control is our perspective in life. And can I tell you something? The only way that I have been able to keep my perspective in check is to regularly spend time with Jesus. It's the only way I do it. If I'm spending time with Jesus, I have a completely different outlook on life. The second that I start moving away from daily spending time with Jesus, I have a completely different perspective on life. So watch this in Matthew 5, 23, verse 24 again. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there, remember that your brother has something against you, what? Leave your gift there before the altar. Now, don't miss this. There's something significant that happens here. Jesus is not saying, drop it, get over the offense. It's not what he's saying. Jesus is saying, if you can't let go of the fence, you will always have a dysfunctional relationship with me. Listen, if you can't let go of the the offense, you will always have a dysfunctional relationship with Jesus because you're always gonna see Jesus through the lenses of, of offense. Well, God, why didn't you give me this? Why didn't you provide this for me? Because we're offended. See, when offense has buried its way into your heart, it is impossible to properly connect with Jesus. It's impossible. Because, listen, you're not seeing things clearly. So as we bring this to a close, I just want to encourage you with something. That I know all of us at some point in our life, regardless of your age or how old you are. See, offenses are not bias. <laughs> it doesn't matter if you're 15 or if you're 56. We all get offended. All of us. Offense is not bias. The enemy is not bias. He wants to divide you. He wants to distract you. He wants to offend you. And I just want to implore you and I just want to encourage you this morning What would it look like if we started on a journey to say, God, I don't even know what this looks like to forgive this person, but I am willing to start the process. I just want to encourage you, maybe maybe for some of you, it's just going to start in the heart, like, God, help me to forgive this person. I don't know how to do this. I don't even know where this comes from. But God, give me just this supernatural strength and power to be able to forgive my offender so that I can properly connect with you. And listen, if there have been things in your life that have just been so traumatic, if you've gone through traumatic experiences, man, counseling is a wonderful thing. It is not weak to get into that. Somebody that could help you walk through that. Because forgiveness, it is a process for some of us, especially for some of the things that have been done to us. And God's not asking us, like I said in the end, he's not asking us, hey, just drop the offense and get over it and move on with your life. 
Can I just, just a little pet peeve here? You know what drives me crazy? When people come with real offenses and they're asking for help and we give them this super cliche answer, just look up to God. What does that even mean? (laughs) What does that even mean? Here's what I mean by this. God's not just saying, just get over it, just look up and move on with life. God's saying, no, no, I care about your pain. I care about where you're at. And I am willing to sit with you in the pain so that we can dive through this, work through this, so that we can move towards a path of forgiveness. So listen, if you're in here this morning and maybe you've had some traumatic things that have, done, or, that have been done to you and moving on from events is gonna be a little bit more difficult to you, come and see me after service. I would love to help you get into some good counseling that would help work you through that. Also, if you're married in here and you are on the fringe, you're on the brink, listen, counseling could save your marriage. Sitting down with somebody else that has a different perspective could save your marriage. I don't know about you, but I love my wife so much, I'm willing to do whatever, if it, whatever it takes for us to stay together, regardless of the mistakes that we make and how, however much we blow it. I'm willing to put my pride on the line because I love this woman. And, and sometimes, listen, we just gotta su- submit our pride to the Lord saying, okay, I'm gonna look like an idiot for a season if I have to, because <laughs> I wanna make things right. 